You got a signal, Brother Nick? Looking good? All right. Do you ever consider yourself, well, just ordinary? Ever just think, just an ordinary gal, just an ordinary guy? Well, before I even get started this morning, I want to tell you that in the eyes of God, you're not just ordinary. If you're his child, in the eyes of God, you're special. In the eyes of God, you're at the top of the list. I'm blessed that God's top of the list has got a place for a lot of names. Amen. So as you hear God's word speak this, this evening or this morning to you, I pray that you see that maybe feeling ordinary ain't so bad after all. It's amazing to see how ordinary people sometimes rise above mediocrity to accomplish great things. Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin, yet rose to become one of our nation's greatest presidents. Michael Jordan was cut from his middle school basketball team. You know why? Because he was an ordinary player. Dolly Parton was born in poverty in the Smoky Mountains, but as you and I both know, she's risen to prominence and is a household name in country music. But even more amazing than that is to see how God uses ordinary people. This is amazing to me because God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He makes a choice, a choice to use us. God can do anything He desires to do. God can uh, do anything, and He don't need no help. He knows where He's going, and He knows how He's going to go about getting there. Yet He has chosen, say chosen. That's right. He's chosen to use ordinary people in His work. Billy Graham, born and raised on a dairy farm. And you know that for, for decades now, God has chosen to use Billy Graham to draw people into a relationship with himself through faith in Jesus Christ. There's another famous evangelist named Billy Sunday. It seems like there's a lot of great men named Billy. Amen? Amen? Okay, sure. <laughs> Billy Sunday once said, I was born and bred in Iowa, and the odors of the barnyard are still on me. I've crept and crawled from the university of poverty and hard knocks, and even taken postgraduate courses in those two studies. He said, I have said done it when I should have said did it, 
And I've said I have saw when I should have said I have seen. But I expect to got to heaven just the same. Ordinary people. The Bible also gives us plenty of evidence that God uses ordinary people. Moses, a child born to an ordinary Hebrew couple. David, an ordinary shepherd. Joseph, also an ordinary shepherd who became an ordinary slave yet rose to prominence, becoming the right-hand man of the Pharaoh in Egypt. Jesus' disciples were an ordinary bunch, to say the least. Most of the disciples were fishermen. One was a tax collector. And one was the equivalent to a terrorist. Paul was like a terrorist. All of the Lord's disciples were tainted. Tainted by humanity. So today we're going to take a look at a story that perfectly illustrates how God uses ordinary people. In Acts chapter 4, I want to share with you, beginning in verse 8, but before we go, um, you need to know that before this, birth, this passage of Scripture, Peter and John had been used of God to make a lame man walk. And because of that, uh, they were arrested. And then the Bible says in verse 8 that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you having been made whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, get this, by which we must be saved. Only one name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now when they, the religious leaders, saw the hardness or the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there's no one in this room more ordinary than me. And Lord, I praise you and thank you for the privilege and the responsibility of being used by the hand of God. And Lord, I ask you now to teach us and show us how we can be used as ordinary people to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We'll give you the glory for it, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. That verse 13 is where we're going to focus today. And verse 13 in the New Living Translation is translated this way. The religious leaders were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men. No special training in the scriptures. 
And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Your message today comes primarily from that verse. And the reason is, is because I see in that verse, I see it divided, and I see it uh, divided into phrases that discuss how God uses ordinary people. Notice the first phrase in verse 13. The religious leaders were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Can I tell you today that ordinary people can be used by God to make a difference in this world? Peter and John had been preaching. Peter and John had been teaching that Jesus was crucified for our sins, that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And as a result of that, many people were saved and had their eternal hope in heaven. Now, the religious leaders got a little tore up about that. The religious leaders were upset that Peter and John were creating a stir in the community. They were stirring and shaking up the community. They were threatened by their message. When was the last time you created a stir in our community because of your faith in Christ? Let us all be determined that we're going to turn this world upside down and we're going to create a stir about what God's doing at Bethel Baptist Church. The religious leaders didn't like what Peter and John were doing, but there was no denying their behavior. They were out serving the community. They were out ministering. They were sharing their faith. They were preaching. They were teaching. They wanted people to go to heaven with them. I pray that's what Bethel Baptist Church wants too. That you want people to go to heaven with you enough that you'll get out there with us and you'll create a stir in this community. There was no denying their behavior. They couldn't deny what they saw. And I believe that's still true today. People may not like your message, but they will notice your behavior. They may not like your message, but they're going to notice if you're out there sharing it. They may not like your message, but they're going to notice if you're living it. There'll be no denying what they saw. See, ordinary people can make a difference. How can they make a difference? Well, we can make a difference when we first display a confidence in Christ Jesus. Displaying a confidence in Jesus, the religious leaders, they noticed the confidence of Peter and John. They noticed their confidence was in Christ. Do you display a confidence in your faith? Do you display that confidence? I read where some years ago, two teenage hooligans robbed a YMCA on the Lower East Side of New York City. They were frightened after breaking in, and they saw a young man sitting at the telephone switchboard. Being upset, they assumed that he was calling the cops on them, and so they beat him savagely. And then thinking that he was dead, they hid his body behind a pump near a swimming pool. Later that evening, a woman was walking by the pool, and she slipped in the man's blood. She screamed, and she found Donald Tippett's body. Donald lived, but one of his eyes was so badly damaged that it could not be saved. Meanwhile, the two teenagers were caught, and they were brought to trial. Their criminal records uh, assured that they would serve long sentences in jail. 
However, this ordinary man, ordinary Donald Tippett, did an amazing thing. He requested that the judge allow the two men to be paroled in his care and in his charge. He wanted to give these boys another chance. He believed that these boys could change. One of the boys blew his opportunity, committed another crime, and served a long prison sentence. But the other boy responded to Tippett's act of kindness. He went to college, and then eventually he went to medical school, and he became one of our nation's leading surgeons. Incredibly, an eye surgeon. A reporter was writing about Donald Tippett's act of forgiveness, and he wrote about that eye surgeon saying, I wonder if he ever performs one single of those delicate eye operations when he doesn't think about that night at the YMCA. When he doesn't think about Donald Tippett's confidence in Christ and the forgiveness that changed his life. My, my. You see, confidence in Jesus is contagious. When you show confidence in Christ, when you show trust in God, that becomes contagious. People want to know the source of your trust. They want to know the source of your contagiousness. They want to know where that's coming from. And I want to tell you, ordinary people can make a difference by displaying a quiet confidence in Christ. People out there, they need to know that faith in Jesus is real. And they need to see that manifest in your life. They need to see that God can make a difference. They need to see it in your life as you display a confidence in Christ. And the best way to prove that to them is a changed life. To show that God has changed you. God has made the difference in your life and that that difference is good. Amen? We can make a difference not only when we display a confidence in Christ, but also when we allow Christ to change our character. Do people notice the character of Christ in you? Do they notice the character of God in you? You see, for the Christian, the character is a a supernatural gift. For Christians, character is something that God gives. It's a God gift. And as we read here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were able to move beyond the ordinary because the Spirit of Jesus just bubbled up inside them until it oozed out. Amen? You ever had the Spirit of Jesus ooze out of you? Because it was bubbling up so much inside of you? It did happen to Peter and John. However, the Bible also says that despite this, Peter and John still faced anger from those religious leaders. They still faced contempt from the people of Israel. But when Peter stood to address these guys, he did so with respect. Even though they were angry at him, even though they were likely cursing him, facing contempt from them, he still faced them with respect. There in verse 8, the word says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. 
That word rulers means honorable leaders. What's the point? Well, Peter didn't speak with contempt back at him. He didn't speak with anger right back at you. Instead, he speaks with respect, reflecting the character of God. Amy Beale died a violent death in 1993. She was a white, 26-year-old American student who went to South Africa to help register black voters for their first free election. She was seeking help for the people of South Africa that were oppressed by that white government. And one day, one day while she was out driving, she was dragged out of her car, stabbed and beaten to death by a mob of black men committed to overthrowing the white supremacist government. Soon afterwards, Amy's parents, Linda and Peter Beale, quit their jobs and moved from their Orange County, California home to South Africa. Not to go and seek revenge. Not to go and get them back. Not to go and search them out so they could be prosecuted. But they went to start a foundation in Amy's name. Today, two of Amy's killers work for the foundation. They call Amy's mom, Mrs. Beal, they call her Makulu which means grandmother, because that's the way she treated them. She says, forgiving looks inward and says, you know, I'm not going to go through my life feeling hateful. I'm not going to go through my life feeling revengeful, because that's not going to do me any good. We took Amy's lead, and we did what she would want us to do. You know what that's a beautiful picture of? Reconciliation. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation. You see, reconciliation forgives, but also restores. Reconciliation pays back good for evil. Reconciliation follows the heart and character of God. Think of it. Not only when I was reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ was I forgiven, but I was also restored to the place I was in God's eyes. Not only was I paid, I was paid back good for the evil I'd done against God. Reconciliation follows the heart and character of God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible commands Christians to also be ambassadors of reconciliation. Let me share with you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18, where Paul writes, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or not counting their trespasses against them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When you're reconciled to God, you're then called to be an ambassador of reconciliation for other people. It's a calling straight from the Word of God. And if I read that right, there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if I read that right, if I'm a Christian, then I will be, say will be, I will be an ambassador. <clears throat> if I've been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, I will accept, say I will accept, I will accept the ministry of reconciliation myself. If I have had my sins blotted out through faith in Christ, then I will implore, say I will implore, I will implore other people to be reconciled to God as well. I will implore. I will accept the ministry of reconciliation. I will be an ambassador for Christ. So are you a Christian? If you are a Christian, are you an ambassador? Have you been reconciled to God? If you've been reconciled to God, have you accepted the ministry of reconciliation yourself? Have you had your sins blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ? Well then, are you imploring other people to do the same? Are you begging, are you pleading other people to be reconciled to God? Friends, if Jesus was still on earth, that's exactly what he'd be doing. Pleading. Begging. Imploring others, be reconciled to God. If we display Christ's character, then we will make a difference in the world around us. We will make a difference in the lives of God, the lives of those who God puts in our place. In our, in our stead, in our sphere of influence. Now look at that second phrase there back in Acts chapter 4. In verse 13, they could see they were uneducated, untrained men. They were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. You see, not only can God make a, a difference in this world through ordinary people, but... I don't think there's anything wrong with being ordinary. Do you? There's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Peter and John were ordinary men. They didn't have any formal Bible training. The truth is, we're all ordinary. Would you agree with that? We're all ordinary. We're all human. And without God's help, that's all we're ever going to be. Is just ordinary. I heard about two kids in Sunday school one day. The teacher had taught them the lesson about Lot's wife. You remember Lot's wife who looked back to her former life and she became a pillar of salt. That's right. Well, after Sunday school, the kids were walking out and one kid said to the other, do you really believe Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt? And that other kid said, yeah, I believe it. My mama was driving yesterday. She looked back and turned into a telephone pole. 
That little boy knew his mama was human, just like Lot's wife was human. We're all destined to a useless, ordinary life unless we look to God for help. Unless we look to God for help. Did you know that if you put a buzzard and a six-foot by eight-foot pin with no top on it, that that buzzard, despite its ability to fly, will be an absolute prisoner? You've seen those buzzards crossing the road, haven't you? they got a wingspan longer than mine. They're huge birds. But despite those wings, they won't fly if confined to a six-by-eight pin. Here's the reason why. A buzzard always begins flying with a run of about 10 or 12 feet. If it can't run 10 or 12 feet, it won't even attempt to fly and will remain a prisoner for life. A small jail with no top. How sad is it that many Christians have wings to soar for God? They have wings to soar for God. They have wings to do God things. Yet they get into bad habits and they don't even attempt to fly for Christ. An ordinary bat. Incredibly nimble in the air. However, it cannot take off from a level place. A bat so nimble in the air, if it's placed on the floor or on a flat ground, all it can do is just shuffle around until it reaches a slight elevation where it can jump off and then begin to fly. In many ways, I think that Christians are like buzzards and bats. We're all ordinary creatures. We all struggle with our own problems and our own frustration, never realizing that all we have to do is use our God-given gifts to do what He created us to do. Every one of us here today has been given gifts of God to glorify Him, to praise Him, to rejoice in Him, yet so often we allow the problems and frustrations of this life to hinder us and clip our spiritual wings. Examine yourself, as I have this week, and determine that you're not going to let that happen anymore. There's nothing wrong with being ordinary, as long as you look up to God for your strength. Nothing wrong with being ordinary, as long as you look to God for your ability. Nothing wrong with being ordinary, especially if you're looking to God for your courage. You see, sorrow looks back. Worry looks around at your circumstances. But faith looks up. Faith looks up. Friend, you don't need no formal training to be used of God. When I was first called into the ministry, I was a little scared. I was a little scared that I would have to trade in my humanity. And if you know my humanity, it don't go too well with a a pastor. I thought I'd have to wear a tie every day of my life. But then I met a great pastor who loved wearing blue jeans. I also thought my call to ministry would mean that every waking hour I was to be doing the work of a minister. 
I was relieved when I found out that other pastors took out time for hobbies and for sports activities that they like to do. See, a lot of people are like that. A lot of people think that they got to dress a certain way. A lot of people think that they ought to got to think a certain way. They got to act a certain way in order to serve God. But the truth is this. God will use you as you are. God will use you where you are. If, say if, if you're simply willing. If you're simply willing. Say, Lord, I'm an ordinary woman. I'm an ordinary man. But I'm willing. I'm willing to be used by you. You don't need a seminary education. You don't need to memorize the whole Bible. You just simply got to be willing. Willing to be used by your maker who designed you to glorify him. Look at that third phrase in verse 13. For when the people looked at Peter and John, they realized they had been with Jesus. Jesus is looking for ordinary people to work with. You see, Jesus is still at work. Did you know that? Say amen if you knew that. That's right. Jesus is still at work in this world. And he's looking for ordinary men and women to work with. People tend to remember you by the people that you associate with. You ever heard a young, pe- young person cut loose with a string of profanities? Yeah, you know that they've been hanging out with the wrong crowd, amen? When I first went to college, I hated country music, but I had a roommate who loved country music, so guess what? Before long, I started liking country music. But what happens when you associate with Jesus? When you associate with Jesus, two things happen. One is, He will give you strength. He will give you strength to work with Him. He'll give you strength to rise above the ordinary. In spite of your humanity, Jesus will work through us. Even in our weakness, He will make His strength known. He'll give you strength. But two, Jesus will also transform you. He transforms ordinary people into extraordinary servants of God. He transforms ordinary men and women into extraordinary servants of God. I read that an ordinary bar of steel is worth about five bucks. But when you take that five dollar bar of steel and it's made into horseshoes, it's worth about ten bucks. Take that five dollar bar of steel and make it, manufacture it into needles, well, now the value rises to about 350 bucks. Take that same $5 bar of steel and make it into delicate springs for expensive washes, watches, and now its value becomes $250,000. What's the difference? Its worth is all in the hands of the manufacturer. Your worth 
depends upon God, not upon any other human being. So don't you listen to any other person describe what you're worth or what you're not worth. God says, you're worth it, and I want to make you into an extraordinary servant of God. Because an ordinary life here in the hands of Jesus becomes an extraordinary life. Friend, you may be ordinary. But I want to tell you this morning that God is looking for people just like you. You may be ordinary, but he's looking for people just like you. He's looking for availability, not ability. He's not looking for high IQs. He's looking to see if you are willing. Are you willing? Friend, I plead with you today that if you have not trusted Jesus with your life on earth and your life after earth, I pray, I plead, I beg with you to do that today. For we never know what the next minute holds for us. But for you Christians, I want you to know that God wants to use you no matter how ordinary you think you may be. God wants to use you. The question is, are you ordinary enough to be used by God? Are you willing to be used by God? Soon, you're going to have an opportunity to demonstrate your willingness. Soon, through the Grow Outreach Ministry at Bethel Baptist Church, you're going to have a, a weekly or a, at least a monthly opportunity to show that you're willing to be used by God to lead an extraordinary life instead of just an ordinary life. What we do here at Bethel Baptist Church is normally every week we go out into our community. Some people go out and make visits. Some people stay here and send cards to the, the, to the sick or to the afflicted or those that have lost loved ones. Some stay here and all they do is pray. And some don't do any of those things well, so you know what they do? They work on the property. Hedging, raking, fixing something that's broken. But all those things put together, God will use to make this an extraordinary church. Not just another dime a dozen ordinary church. Next week, you're going to have an opportunity to show your willingness. But what I'm asking you today is this. If you are willing to pray, say pray. If you're willing to pray and ask God if he will use you in the grow outreach ministry of this church, I'm going to ask you to stand right now just to pray. No commitment. I'm just asking you to pray, to ask God if he will use you in the Grow Outreach Ministry of this church. Stand if you will just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Amen. Now here's the kicker. 
Everyone in the church is standing. I know what God's going to say. When you pray and ask him to use you, I know what he's going to say already. He's going to say, yes, I want to use you in the Grow Outreach Ministry at Bethel Baptist Church. And here's what else he's going to say. And I pray you hear it rung through every prayer you pray. Here's what he's going to say. Are you willing? I want to do it, God says. Are you willing? Are you willing? Let's pray. Father in heaven, everyone in this church has risen to their feet to, in one unified voice, ask you to use us in the Grow Outreach Ministry here at Bethel Baptist Church. Father, we're not, you're not asking for some huge commitment. You're asking for one hour a month Nine hours the whole year. Just to reach out with the love of Christ, in the name of Christ, for the glory of Christ. Father, I pray that you would give each person who stood the willingness to do your will. Lord, I pray that they would pray. Lord, remind them every day of their commitment to pray, to ask you to use them in the Grow Outreach Ministry. Father, I also pray that if there's one person here today who has never given their life to Jesus Christ, placing all their hope, all their trust, all their faith in Him and Him alone for their salvation, Lord, that they do it today. What am I asking them to do? Just with one single step of faith, take a step out of the pew, take a step forward to me, allow me to pray with them and show them what you say in your word will determine whether they spend eternity in heaven or hell. It's just that simple, Lord. Thank you for making it simple that even a mind like mine can receive it. Lord, bless us. Lead, guide, and direct us as we pray for this ministry. Lead, guide, and direct us, Lord, especially to that person or persons who have to say with their heart of hearts that they don't have a relationship with God because they've never placed their hope in Christ alone. Have your will now in this decision time. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.